0: today we are talking to mike wang the cto of bowtie and we discuss the evolution of ai chat systems involving customers in product development and our plan to defeat future ai overlords all of this right here right now on the modern cto podcast here we go this is the modern cto podcast Dude, so bowtie. Uh, beautiful website, man. Like I really enjoy when I see clean design. It makes me very happy.
1: Yeah, it's a. Uh, you, you can thank my partner. He has a lot of experience in design, so he, you know, takes takes the lead on the on the uh, design stuff. And then, what's your role? So I am more on the AI side, more on the backend development. Um, you know, the architecture, of the system, that sort of thing, and you know the the. The meat of the bot, and he does more of the front end, uh, UX, UI. He built the Android app, the iOS app, the business facing tool, uh, the web widget that we have, and so it, it's pretty good. You know, dichotomy of skills.
0: Did you guys have to build the whole web widget from scratch, from the ground up, or did you build on like an existing open source project?
1: No, we built everything pretty much. In our entire platform, from the ground up, we use open source here and there for for uh, as libraries for you know processing and uh, like test suite and that sort of thing. But all of the the proprietary stuff is all ours.
0: Yeah, so I've seen so many of these chat things, and I and I haven't looked, but I I wondered if there was some really popular open source project already that is the baseline of it, because everyone's just rebuilding the same thing over and over with sockets and like the chat interface and the embedding of it and the same things being built over and over whenever that happens. Historically, eventually some open source project comes out that gets really popular and then people can build on top of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of tools out there, especially for chatbots that sort of cropped up mm-hmm. as part of the whole Facebook bringing chatbots into the public spotlight and, and sort of pushing that. Um, you know, there's API.AI, lot, lots, of, lots of things out there. And one of the questions that we get when we tell our idea to people is on the on the tech side is, you know, do you use any of those? And if not, I usually say, you know, we don't, and then their next question is, why not? And I think those platforms are great if you're building sort of a one-off bot that sort of fits into more of a question-answer scheme and may be more of a branded sort of experience. But for us, there's a lot of flexibility and customization that we need as a platform to onboard individual businesses and to have it really be a personalized sort of conversational experience for our customers.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a smart decision. It's not a lot of, of basic stuff. Like it wasn't a huge build to get the basic chat functionality back and forth and all the freedom you get from having rolled your own is worth it in that context. I've actually built a, a chat system that no, no AI involved with it, but it was a chat system that you can embed and then you could send uh, documents back and forth for signature and it actually integrated with a a document repository system so you could search files that you had on your server and then send them for signature and you go back, do signature from the chat directly. So that was kind of, so I've had that experience of of building that base.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think um, for me, like having having been in the space now, sometimes when I come up with little ideas for, for side projects or whatever, it's almost like, I, I'm just, I just gravitate towards chat as a medium because one, it's like really easy to just spin up something really quickly. And it's, you can instantly basically deploy access to your app or um, platform to all these uh, outlets and channels that people already use. So recently I like was getting into the whole cryptocurrency, Bitcoin craze, and I wanted like an alert system to tell me when there was price movement and whatnot. Um, and so what I did was I built a, an alert bot that just sent me messages anytime you know one of my alerts triggered or if there was like a, a spike in prices or something. And I don't know, just the use case just fits a lot of things really, really nicely and other things not so nicely.
0: I'm, I'm a big fan of the messaging and the interaction. Of course, now we're seeing it with the voice and now with the bots. So... When I was on your site, it, it was really clear. I like how you described the value, so not just the graphics, but the communication of the flow of everything. And so are you guys looking to just dominate like the sort of hairdresser, nail salon space or what's your goal?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so we see conversational AI and sort of this platform for communicating with businesses as the, the future-looking vision is to provide a way for people to interact with businesses in an automated fashion, at scale, and through natural conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, taking kind of taking a look at this space, there's a lot of different players. A lot of them are going after call centers and sort of just trying to uh, automate, you know, support conversations and things like that. That's very, very difficult because the breadth of the things that people can ask for over just a generic support chat is enormous and it's and, and you'd have to build a customized solution for every uh, individual business. So what we saw was that in the appointment space, there's such commonality across the interactions with business, between customers and businesses in this space. And so, you know, if you're booking a haircut at a salon here, uh, a, another customer is booking a haircut at a salon there and their interactions are largely the same apart from certain differences, like you know, maybe the services are different or the staff members. But a lot of that is transferable across businesses and even from male salons to, to beauty salons, to massage parlors, to spas. And then eventually what we wanna do is break into other verticals sort of like in a sequential basis. So we're starting off in this area because we see salons and spas as sort of the optimal niche. In the sense that right now how people book appointments are largely over the phone so 80 percent of appointments in the salon and spa space are booked over the phone and that's because it's difficult to do it online because you know people have questions people want to book back-to-back appointments uh and it's sort of much easier to do it over an, a conversation and we see that as a behavior that is, sort of already exists and we can and we can sort of just transfer that into this automated conversational channel. And people are already texting with salons on sort of a, a manual basis. So they'll text their stylists or the salon to get an appointment set up. And so the behavior already exists. That's, that's sort of why we're starting in this space. Uh, but again, eventually we, we wanna break into other verticals. So we're looking at auto, dentists, real estate, even like, you know, booking a plumber. And so really any appointment-based business is in our purview in terms of the grand vision.
0: Nice. When I started talking with you before we got on a call, like when we were emailing back and forth, I went and had my haircut and I asked uh, my hairdresser, like how much of her appointments she books through Texas. She says, you know, like almost all, most of them, she wished all of them, but her clientele is there's a, there's a lot of older people. Yeah. So she's like all the younger people. Yeah. She goes, anyone under 40 and Forty or fifty, she goes. Yeah, we're texting all the time. She goes. Anyone over fifty-five or whatever, they're just wanting to call and leave voicemails and stuff. I was like, all right, cool, cool. So she, she said she wished it was all, and uh, she said she doesn't like the website because she likes the you know the real time interaction of having to watch her schedule adjust and make those decisions and who she wants to put where. But then I asked her about your situation. I was like, do you miss a lot? She goes, yeah. She goes, I do miss a, I do miss a lot because I can't be texting while I'm the 30 minutes while I'm cutting someone's hair or the hour while I'm cutting someone hair. I can't, it's rude for me to be on that. I have to be paying attention to them. So she she sees her phone going on or she has to mute her phone and everything. So she goes, yeah, it, it does. Cause sometimes people get frustrated and they'll go on to the next appointment. And so then I, I told her about what you guys were doing and she's like, oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's that's sort of the hair on fire problem that we're solving is is that these uh, artists are doing their work and they're and they're you know, helping customers in the store even the one, even the places that have a receptionist you know they're greeting customers they're bringing them a glass of champagne uh, they're checking people in and out um, and so when the phone is just ringing off the hook they can't manage uh, all of that incoming and so we're sort of Taking that off their plate, um, the transactional stuff that can is really easily sort of just uh, done over over AI. The idea is to like give them back their time, so they so they don't have to worry about those inbound requests coming in because right now it's like a really stressful. Like if you if you've ever just like sat at the front desk of a salon and like watched them throughout the day, it's, it's like chaos, you know.
0: So do you do that? Do you involve them in the product and go watch them like use your system while they're working? And how do you involve your customers in your product development?
1: Yeah, um, we like to talk to our customers a lot. So we have like just essentially taken out days and sat next to them and just sort of watched them. Like we usually usually come in with the uh, intention of like interviewing them about like a new feature that we want to do. Uh, so we're, we, we're in New York and there's a bunch of our clients are sort of right in the area. So we can actually just take a 20, 15 minute trip and hang out and, and sort of get their feedback on something that we're working on. And so we, we do that fairly often. And in addition to that, we're, we're constantly emailing back and forth just because they have like uh, questions about this and that. And then that's also sort of a, a place where we occasionally just interject and it's like, oh, like... That seems like a problem that you're having. Like, what if we did this? And then, you know, it was a constant conversation between us and them. And I think because we, we, we have like a fairly personal relationship with our clients, um, just because every individual client that we bring on, we sort of handhold them through the process and we're on the phone with them and importing their menu and, and getting an idea of why they bought the product and what they want to get out of it. So, yeah, we definitely try to involve them. Uh, pretty heavily in, in, in everything we do.
0: Man, I love hearing that you are doing the right things. Like This is what it is. This is what what the companies that are successful do. And you'd be, I don't know, would you be surprised to find out that like most of the companies that fail, they don't do this stuff at all?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hope we're doing the right thing. Um, and I would not be surprised to find that out at all. We actually just finished reading a book called Customer Success. Okay. Um, and uh, th- that talks a lot about sort of following up with your customers and making sure they're getting uh, value out of your product. And I think one of the interesting things was like, rather than sort of measuring the time to onboard, um, measure the time to value for, for a customer.
0: That sounds good. That's like a real, like measure the time to value. Do, um, right. do, do you know Bruno Ator? Yeah,
1: I do. Um, uh, I, I listen to, we're, we're uh, colleagues from Cornell Tech. Yeah. I listen to your podcast with him. It was a great episode. Oh, thanks. Yeah,
0: that was so awesome. I saw on the notes here, we were, we were all talking about you before the before the cast and we're like, <laughs> oh, he went to Cornell? Does he know Bruno? This must be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you guys are both in New York City. Yep. And you're both in New York city doing your startups. do you see him like regularly? Like you guys like friends?
1: So we, you know, we're both really busy guys and I'm sure you could. I'm sure you got from uh, (laughs) speaking to him that he works like crazy amounts uh, as do I. And, and so we, we both like keep in touch with the Cornell tech community. And that's one of the things that I really love about Cornell tech is that they really maintain a strong alumni network. And so, Also, we were like the third CS class at Cornell Tech. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there weren't too many of us. So we all sort of keep in touch uh, and we have like monthly happy hours and and, and stuff like that where we hang out.
0: How would you say that that program is? Do you learn a lot of stuff that is very useful in your professional life or did you just get exposed to many different topics? Like what's your takeaway from the CS program there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have an endless amount of good things to say about Cornell Tech. I think for me, like it really sort of sparked my journey into entrepreneurship or, or at least sort of made it real. So I I never really even considered doing anything like entrepreneurial uh, until about halfway through college. Um, and so I, I interned at some fairly large companies like Amazon and uh, LinkedIn and... Um, so I kind of got the view of the corporate side and I became interested in, okay, now I know what that looks like. And you know, I, I don't necessarily see myself sitting at that desk for the next few years of my life. Um, and, (laughs) and then I got exposed at Cornell, uh, sorry, at Cornell to the, to this program called, um, life-changing labs where they have a bunch of like student startups. And I got involved with this startup that was like run by these sophomores. And I was a junior at the time. Um, and I was just like, Whoa, like these, these guys and girls are like going out and building whatever they want and like, just making this awesome thing happen. Um, and I was like, Whoa, like entrepreneurship is really cool. And so when, so when I graduated, I was like, you know, uh, I wanted to sort of dive into that by the same time, like I had no idea what to do. And then Cornell tech came up and it was like this intersection between tech and entrepreneurship in New York city. And the whole idea was like, let's get you hands on experience, like bring in entrepreneurs and investors and, and technologists in the community. And let's, let's basically teach you how to like make products and startups. And so, uh, that's why I did Cornell tech. And honestly, I I think it was, I think it fulfilled like all of that. It, It totally fulfilled its promise.
0: So you really like Cornell, right? You got experience into what it was like to create and, or create, <laughs> to solve problems, all, like to create things and solve problems all day.
1: Yeah. it's like you problems. almost,
0: you created some problems, solved some problems. And yeah. then you got like sort of the cinematic, like go to New York City, learn, build product. Like it's very, it's a very cool story. Like I like it, you know? And so nice. are you? What's, what's sort of a day look like for you now? Like, how hard are you working?
1: Yeah, I mean, for the three of us founders at Bowtie, this is like our life, you know? Yeah. Um, so we wake up, you know, so at this point, you know, it's been a long, it's been a long journey getting here. Um, uh, at this point, we have like a, a nice set of paying customers. We have uh, close to 50 customers um, sort of throughout the US, and we're uh, growing that quickly. And so right now for us, it's just a matter of of growing that out and and making sure our clients really, really love the product. So yeah, I I basically code all day. Uh, That's the real answer.
0: Cool, so you're you're actively programming most of the day as a CTO?
1: Oh, absolutely,
0: yeah. And then what are your other two founders doing? Like, what are their responsibilities?
1: Yeah, so there's two of us are um, developers, my my partner Vivek and I. uh, And we, so it's sort of a front-end, back-end sort of, Distribution of responsibilities. There, um, he also does a lot of the on, customer onboarding and the UX and that sort of thing. Um, Ron, our CEO, he does you know all the business development, uh, sales, marketing, more sales, lots of sales, <laughs> and uh, customer support. You know all the all the, all all the good uh, relationship management stuff. So yeah, I, I think. Out of the gate, like our team had a really good sort of complimentary, uh, skill set. And that, that's one of the things I really love about working with them. Yeah. I really like
0: how lean you guys are and, and how big you look on your website it looks really good. You're really <laughs> lean. You're a, you're communicating with your customers and are you guys just naturally brilliant or do you guys, do you guys have some mentors that are guiding you in the right direction?
1: Yeah, we have, we have a lot of uh, mentors and advisors that we have to be very grateful for along the way. Really grateful for our investors. Uh, so we've, we've been part of a few accelerators. Out of the gate, we, we were at Friends of eBay where we spent a few months and we met some pretty cool people there. Uh, Alana Gregory, who was running a beauty startup at the time, she was actually the one who sort of nudged us in the direction of, of beauty appointments. Uh, at the time we were like, Sort of doing, we were doing something pretty different. It was like food ordering over text, still in the realm of conversational AI. But we were, we were nudged into beauty, and then we were like, we sort of took a look at the space, took a step back, you know, interviewed a bunch of people, and, and then dove into it. But so she, she's been really helpful along the way, uh, just giving us a great perspective on on the space. And then we went to Newark Venture Partners another accelerator out in the in Newark they're in the audible building and we met a couple of our investors there who have been really helpful sort of connecting us with with potential partners and um, and just giving us advice on the fundraising and, and, and such. And they also have like a sales um, advisor here that we've, we've been talking to a lot about you know how to sell to small and medium, small to medium-sized enterprises. Um, the strategy is how to communicate the vision and the product, and uh, to, to sort of mirror their language and frame our solution in terms of the problems that they're having. So yeah, definitely a lot of help along the way.
0: So I saw I saw on your site you had a blog and you had like a little bit of content. Who who's writing that content?
1: Yeah. Um, so we so Ron is doing a lot of the, the content marketing stuff right now. Uh, and we all sort of, so he, so he puts together the content and then we also sort of take a look at it and edit it, um, and make it much better. So it's, it's, it's kind of a team effort.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. You guys going to do more content writing? Cause I, I saw one article. I really liked it. You had some funny, like little memes in it and stuff. And I, I was thinking you're really going to pick up traffic when people are searching for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's a big fan of the gifs and the.
0: They're funny, dude. It was relatable, and on honestly, the people your target audience is going to respond to that so well because hairdressers are usually really fun people.
1: Yeah, definitely. They uh, they when we talk to them on the phone, it's like they bring so much energy, and it, you can just tell they're smiling all the time.
0: They just talk to strangers and and cut their hair all day,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're so warm and like lively. I love it. So,
0: how did ex- like what's the story of how you three came together?
1: Yeah, so we we all met at Cornell Tech. Well, so oh, okay. see, I met both of them at Cornell Tech. Vivek and Ron actually worked together for four years for Cornell Tech. Uh, interestingly enough, they both applied separately to the program, um, and then on like the first day, they they found out that they both got in. So they knew each other. I met them there. I, I had done a few projects with Vivek. Um, throughout our time there. And we just like, our work styles just like gelled really, really well. Uh, mm-hmm. We became really good friends. And then the second semester, I think Bruno mentioned this, but there's like this startup studio program um, led by David Tisch. And we all did that together and, and you know, grew the idea as part of that and then spun out as a company.
0: That's awesome. And you guys all get along really well. Do you hang out? like? is there, is, does it just blend your whole day and then being outside of work? And is it just all this big bow tie blend?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. a big bow tie blend in my life. Um, but yeah, so we, we all sort of, we spend way too much time together and, uh, yeah, we like, we all like to take our time off here and there. So we, we like stagger our vacation time such that like, you know, each of us during the holidays might take a few days off and then, we sort of take time off as we as we as we need.
0: Okay, so when? How many years until your your AI bot starts writing its own code?
1: <laughs> That's uh, you know I I just polished up the self awareness module oh, last great, week, great, great. so um, you know should be a few months now. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> I hope you wrote some tests, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, programmed in some maybe benevolence and yeah, it's a big there's a big. Uh, Topic right now in AI is the alignment problem. It's like if it, once when we get to that sort of AGI level, you know, how do we make sure the robot overlords, you know, have the same values as us?
0: I think that we create a pure AI overlord. We can can um, like it's offline and isolated, where we teach it only good things, and then we just focus on that, de- like detached from the whole network. AI and we treat it to be very good and then it ends up battling the evil AI.
1: <laughs> I think that would be a very, a very nice picture of the future. I think that's a um, very optimistic way of looking at it.
0: Right, cool. Because everyone says, you know, how do we stop it? How do we stop it? And I'm sitting here with as much as we both know about technology and, and how code actually works and how much it could actually spread, right? Like it could go everywhere and the amount that it could do would be insane right if and if it were evil that'd be horrible right but the solution if we either focus everything i think it would be silly to put 100 of our pie on like preventing it from happening i think we should take a, a chunk of our pie and say well let's just assume it's going to happen and let's find out a way to create our own like pure ai overlord to battle it
1: oh yeah absolutely i, I think um I was just listening to another podcast about this with uh, Sam Harris and Eliezer he's from the Machine uh, Intelligence Research Institute. He was talking about how uh, he was talking about how uh, in the future it's pretty much inevitable that we're going to create some sort of, you know, super intelligence assuming we don't blow ourselves up. But his main concern, I think the concern of a lot of people out there who who really see this as a big problem is that the good AI that is going to help us, you know, the bad AI if that is the thing it's going to be a, just a little bit harder to create so his his thing was like well you know I'm not concerned that we're not able to create a good benevolent AI it's like aligned with our values it's more so that that is going to take two years longer than it takes to create an AI that is not concerned about human well uh, human welfare so if that's that's why there's a lot of effort in sort of, you know, making sure that we don't follow the trend of history and put the safety guards in two years after the thing is made. That
0: is very true. And I love the very Elon Musk of, yeah, unless we blow ourselves up, we'll become interplanetary unless if we blow ourselves <laughs> up in between. <laughs> like that's the default like view of, of the thing I hear constantly in the technology in the future. Yeah, we'll get there unless if we blow ourselves up.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's a real concern, you know, with the current political climate, but you know, stay positive, stay positive.
0: Yeah. We should just get all the smart, like logical humans together. Right. And just create this like anti blowing ourselves up strategy where we create this, this, maybe this AI whose sole purpose is to keep us from blowing ourselves
1: up. Hey, sign me up for that. I think, I think it's right? a great thing to exist in the world.
0: So we actually have a question from the live stream, if that's cool. Yeah, go for it. We have an individual who is from this startup called Book and Meet, and they're an online appointment scheduling platform based in India, right? For India. And he wants to know, when it comes to adaptability and localization, like how do we do that? Like for your AI?
1: Yeah, um, so we... Sort of have a our our philosophy is that the platform should be general enough so that there's a lot of commonality across the AI so that it can we we can save a lot of the functionality across the businesses that we integrate with. Um, But at the same time, a lot of the businesses that a lot of the businesses that we integrate with uh, have tons of custom needs. Like they need to tweak the language here and there. Like some some of them call their staff members staff. Some of them call them technicians. Some of them call them therapists, and they all have, you know, some of them need to let people know the cancellation policy when they book, others have like other individual messages. So we have all these like little slots and places where we can customize the messaging for individual businesses. And so that's how we're adapting the conversational AI to sort of different contexts and requirements. As far as localization, I think that's a difficult problem because the language is just so different. Well, you know, the structure and the meaning of language and how you learn the user's intent um, is different across different languages. And so right now, we're just focusing on English, and we'll have to think about how eventually to expand that.
0: Yeah, so you guys will own the English space, they will own the the in, the space of India, and then you can get together and form some sort of global superpower partnership with Chat. And yeah, figure out I the go. localization yeah. together. <laughs> it's amazing. So I stalked your Twitter just a teeny bit. at First, love that Bezos Amazon picture. Right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, go, we still haven't. We moved into our office. We still haven't changed our sign either. And I think we're at the point where it's. Just becoming unacceptable. So <laughs> I think we're gonna get that taken care of this week. We keep hiring people and like building, so it's a lot of fun. And then did you get to watch the
1: launch live? Yeah, that was fantastic. You know, I, I I felt like I felt like I was literally looking into the future. When the when the two boosters like landed on the platform, I was like, is this live stream of like real life or is this like a video game?
0: It did feel like a, a highly realistic animated Segment of a video game, like before they let you have control of the scene. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, and it, it was—it made me happy. Like I'm very—I ha- was very happy about it. Um, so usually when we wrap up, we ask the about the past, but so much future talk today. We actually had a futurist on this morning who just goes around the world and teaches CEOs about what is happening in the future and how to position your company accordingly, right? Wait. So in that uh, feeling. In that tone, I want to know what you think the next big change in the next five years is going to be for technology. What are we going to see?
1: Hmm. It's just technology in general.
0: Anything. It, you just just tickle your imagination, and like whatever happens, happens.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of areas where we're going to see big changes. Um, I'm still I'm still very pro AR. I'm a very pro conversational AI. I'm a pro voice. Uh, a pro blockchain. It's it's hard to just point to one thing. I think all of those things are gonna sort of happen at the same time.
0: You know, it's interesting. So we're eating lunch, and Jackie, who is brand new to the team, it was right before your call, like 45 minutes ago, and she asked about the next five years, and me and Jake like spouted off AR, the conversational chats, and voice. like That's what our answers were. Yeah, there you go. Welcome to the team, Mike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, if, if I were to pick one, I mean, I'd I have to go with conversation. About, yeah, how could I not? I think, and, and, and that includes voice too. I think um, the way we communicate with technology is so disparate right now. It's like, you know, you have like probably 50 plus apps on your phone. You're like typing things in, to ty- looking at things on dropdowns, like pressing buttons. And it's all like sort of just super random, um, but language is universal. And so when I think about like in the future, like what, how we're gonna communicate with technology, like the real elegant solution, I imagine like we're gonna have a little implant in our vocal cords or whatever. We're, gonna, we're just gonna be able to like whisper stuff to our personal assistant, which is gonna just do everything on our behalf. And so as a universal sort of channel for communicating with our digital friends, I think voice and conversation is, is going to be king, you know, And unless Elon finishes his neural link stuff.
0: Oh, you beat me to my notes. I type as you talk and I'm like, is he going to go must neural net here? Like, or is that too, po- like, is that going to happen? <laughs> hey, I have a
1: lot of faith in that guy.
0: Dude, well, clearly, like, how can you not? Like, just look at what he's accomplished in all the different industries. So, and then he's also, you know, funding that ai project for the safety in the sense have you checked that out at all, all? The yeah opening AI AI AI. Yeah. Oh, open yeah so I'm, I'm pumped to see what comes what comes of that now i think we're i i believe in all of this stuff and it is but i think we're going to get surprised and i think i think something's going to happen in like the materials or the processing because mm-hmm. i think I, I feel like it's been a while since we had like a big processing breakthrough like a totally new material or a totally new way of doing things. Like I just think some scientist in some lab is going to trip on something. And like (laughs) now, right. Like all of a sudden we have uh, the microwave. Like if you've ever looked up the story of the microwave, like I I think something is going to happen. That's, I think all of these things are and will happen and they are the future, but I think we're going to get a little bonus. I think we're going to unlock some sort of secret level, get a little hidden gem of some sort of materials or processing breakthrough.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I I would not be surprised if we were surprised. (laughs) And I I was just talking to my partner about this and we were talking about sort of the same topic and he was like, you know, nobody predicts what actually happens, you know, like, the, like before, flight was invented. The guy who was closest to in, in the field to that space to that industry predicted that flight would be 50 years out. And you know, same with with like computing. Uh, and it just ha- it just all happened so fast. And like even even with apps, like nobody like the app store didn't exist before like 2008, right? And right. I don't think anybody was like, oh, the next like big technological revolution is going to be a type we're going to have apps in our phone and you're going to be able to like book flights uh, from your phone and and whatnot. Um, So I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah. Like we could have some sort of speed of our internet go up, right? We could have different processes. A lot of, a lot of different things could happen, which is why I am so pumped about the future.
1: Yeah. I actually, I actually I just saw an article about these guys at mit who apparently are working on this new chip that instead of using ones and zeros like a binary sort of thing it tries to model the neural synapse of our brains so there's like some sort of gradient like activation function like built into the chip it's to the hardware itself yeah Uh, so that, that i don't know that could be cool i don't know if it works
0: Yeah, I think there's so many great things. Well, here's another thing that just popped into my head. You know, so you know a lot of smart people. I know a lot of smart people. But if I took all the smart people that I know, let's say 150, right? Like really smart people. And then you took all the smart people you know, let's say it's 150. Let's just pretend. So now we got 300 smart people. And if we imagined like what would happen if we got all those smart and creative people like together on one project, that's only 300 people. So like they're all out there solving their own problems right now. Think of it like little processors of this giant human earth computer and then just take a step back and realize how many people there actually are on this planet. And then all of a sudden, the likelihood of something coming out of the side and surprising us and just revolutionizing the entire world doesn't seem that
1: far off. Yeah, totally. I think um, a shared goal is the best way to accomplish anything, right? It's like, you you can be a really smart person, but, you know, two slightly less smart people can probably outdo you in almost anything.
0: Right, and 7 billion people can surprise the hell out of you.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Mike, for your time today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, it was great talking with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this, get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.